So I was listening to sports radio on the drive-in this week and listening to the co-host. And they were mad about something that they saw on the television show Jeopardy. And here's what they were angry about. One of the categories was sports trivia. And one of the answers to the questions was LaMelo Ball, who is our superstar player here in Charlotte, hometown team, Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, we can give some love to LaMelo. He's doing great. Our Hornets are having a great, great year. We'll hope the Panthers catch up. But anyway, we got the Hornets. But anyway, so uh, they were mad. And what were they mad about? Well, when the question was asked, none of the three contestants in Jeopardy, all of these, you know, really genius people, could answer it. None of them even tried buzzing in the buzzer. Like, nobody knew who LaMelo Ball was. And so they were just angry. It's like, how can nobody on Jeopardy even take a, a guess at that? And so they were a little upset. And they're like, wow, I wish we could go on Jeopardy when there's a sports category because we could answer all those questions. But they're self-aware enough to say if it was a question about literature or geography, like we wouldn't be buzzing in either, right? So give the people on Jeopardy a break. But it, it caused me to think a little bit about People who are into sports, I'm into sports, right? We love it, we understand it, we get it, we breathe it, we, we can talk that language. And, and people who are not into sports, probably like, you know, what are you talking about? I'm not sure quite exactly what you're doing, what's the big deal, like what's going on? You know, a few years ago, the Panthers suffered a, a de devastating playoff loss. And uh, I remember listening to the radio the next day and people were calling in saying, I'm so upset, I'm not even going into work, right? And I was telling people about that and they're like, What? Did they play on the team? No. Do they own the team? No. Do they have anything to do with the team other than being a fan? No. Then why aren't they going into work? That seems a little bit extreme. Not sure I understand that. All right, and so um, things that we do when we follow sports that don't make sense to anybody else. I was talking to one of my friends this week who has two master's degrees uh, from very established uh, universities in the world, and uh, he, he was texting with me about a football game. He's like, I'm not watching the game today. Like, why aren't you watching the game today? He's like, every time I watch the game, they lose, right? So I'm not watching, right? So as if, right, sitting at home, hundreds of miles from the football game, if he turns on his television, it's going to affect the play of those players on the field, right? Are you serious? You have two master's degrees? We need to take those back, buddy. Like, what do you, you have no impact on the game, Right? But those of us who like sports, we have to wear our lucky jerseys. We have to sit in the right seat to watch the television. Now, maybe we could understand if you're at the game and you're cheering, how that can make a difference. You can get your team up when they're feeling down, or if you're too quiet, you don't help them win the game. Right? That makes sense. But from hundreds of miles away, and you think you make a difference in what happens, right? is that really sane? <laughs> like, what's going on here? Right? Well, that doesn't make sense. Here's what I think might be happening. I think that somewhere deep down inside all of us, we are wired to be a part of something that's bigger than what we are. And that when we find out what that is, it brings us great joy that we can be a contributor to something that's bigger than who we are as individuals, right? So with sports, like here in the, in the city of Charlotte with our Panthers and with our Hornets, right? When the teams are winning and that's the team that we love, we feel like winners because we're part of that culture, we go to the games, we watch the games, right? We cheer for people. So we feel like a part of something bigger, even if we've never played a, a single play or didn't go to the college that we're cheering for or don't have any ownership stake in the team. Like we feel a part of something. Like we're contributing, we're cheering, we're watching, like we're doing our part. We are a part of something bigger than ourselves. Then when the team loses, we feel like that we're a bit of a loser and we get mad about it. We don't go to work and we call them sports radio and we whine and complain about it, right? It really shouldn't affect our day as much as it does 
but we want to feel like we're part of something bigger. But it's not just limited to sports. I think it's true of, of lots of things. I went to the Immersive Van Gogh exhibit here in Charlotte. Has anybody seen that? Anybody seen that? It, it's incredible. It's really just a super thing. And I got to go see that with my family. I also got to go just recently uh, with my son, Luke, who's an eighth grader, 13 years old, with his uh, school, got to be a chaperone and see it for the second time. And what's really neat about this is, like, you, you take these 13-year-old kids in and they're like, I don't want to go to this. This is dumb. This is stupid. They're coming out like, wow, that's really cool. I didn't expect that. And so just appreciating the art world, and it's a beautiful thing. And everybody there is in on it, like the... The, the guide who walked the class through the, the thing was super excited. The security guard and the ticket takers, like they're all just glad to have us and, and be a part of that. And it's, it's a full team effort, right? And I think we see that in, in concerts, whether it's a rock and roll concert or a classical music concert, right? whether you're on the stage playing or singing or whether you're running the AVL or you're taking the tickets or you're selling concessions, right? There, there can be a sense of pride of like, we're doing something big and I get to be a part of that. We see it in the theater. We see it in the art world. We see it in academics, right? We get to be a part of something bigger than we are and we get to contribute to that. What are the big things in your life that you're a part of? It's part of your identity that you get to do that. You're like, wow, this is amazing. I'm, I'm a part of something bigger, and I actually make a contribution. If I wasn't doing this, I would be missed. What are those things in your life? And, you know, when we have something like that, we will do anything, right? We'll do the, the stuff that brings us joy. We'll also do the, the hard grunt work because, you know, it might not be our first choice, but we get to be a part of this, something that's bigger. I'm going to do whatever I need to do. My godson, uh, he's 25 years old, and he has just found his dream job, according to him. Uh, he started working recently uh, on, on a train, like a steam locomotive. Like you put the coal in, the, the, the smoke comes out, it's a touristy thing, right? You pull the, 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 the cord that makes the big woo-woo, right, the choo-choo sound, right? He loves it, and he's like, I can't believe I get up. And get to do this. I don't even call it work. And he's working towards being the engineer of the train, right? You don't just go in and start as the engineer. you got to start somewhere else. So you know what he does every day of his life for work? He shovels coal. He shovels coal in the, in the engine of that. Like he gets it. He shovels it in. It's like over 100 degrees. And it's back-breaking work. He does it every day. And he loves it. He loves it. He's like, it's so much fun. I know I'm going to be an engineer one day, and I get to see all the families and the kids who just love being on this train, right, getting on the anticipation and seeing all that joy. And he'll do whatever it takes because he is part of something that's bigger than him, and he gets to contribute. What is that in your life? Right? Do you have that joy about going to work? Like, this is, this is what I, I was meant to do. Do you, do you have that in your family? Do you have that in a relationship? Like, what, what are the big things that God has called you to be a part of. Well, one of them that I obviously believe in is that we get to be a part of, right, the body of Christ. We get to be a part of the kingdom of God. We get to be a part of the church, right? We get to do the best thing in all of the world, and that is express our love for Jesus and share the love of Jesus with a world who needs that, right? There could be no greater thing in the world than helping people have their lives transformed for the better by God. And we, as followers of Jesus, get to be a part of that. And so today, I just would encourage you to be thinking about, what does that look like for you? What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus, to be a part of this, this bigger community that we have? And, and what's your role in that? 
And, and how do you build up the body of Christ in the world? And, and how are you helping to change people's lives? Because that's exactly what God has in store for all of us. So let's think about that today, and let's see how the Bible can help frame this discussion. I want to jump into the New Testament today. We're going to be reading a letter that Paul wrote. Paul is a first century pastor in the Mediterranean world, started a lot of churches, wrote a lot of letters to these churches, and a lot of those letters now make up our New Testament. So he's writing to some Christians who live in Rome, Italy, and this is what Paul has to say about being a part of something bigger than ourselves known as the church. For just as each of us has one body with many members, right? We have one body, we have arms and legs and eyeballs and hearts and lungs and feet and toes and fingers, right? And these members do not have all the same function, right? We have eyes, again, we have noses. They, they do different things, but it's one body, right? So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, right? We make up, as individuals, the community, right, the church, and each member belongs to all the others. We are in this together. We're in this together with God. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Right? If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Right? So God is saying we're like a body, like the church is like a body. And each one of us is, is like an organ or a limb or something, right? Some of us are the eyes, some of us are the nose, some of us are the feet. We all have gifts to build up the church, right? And so we get to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We get to be a part of this, this community that shares the love of God with the world. And so just like the body, if a body's missing an eye or a body's missing a toe, right, then the body suffers if what God has gifted you to do right, is not being used within the church to help reach the community of the world for God, right, then, then the church suffers, right? The, the kingdom of God is hindered a little bit because we're not doing what God created us to do, right? So again, today, think about as the church is the body, right, what's your role? Right? Some of us preach, some of us right, do AVL, some of us greet, right? some of us sing, not Kyle, right? others sing. Right? We all have these different functions that we have and we do it for Jesus. I was talking to somebody this week who is in our church and he's helping us create this condo association that I mentioned last week. It's kind of like the homeowners association for our church in the midst of all these apartments and the hotel uh, and the shops and the restaurants. Right? We have to have this legal entity and he's great at organizing things, uh, project management, and he, he, all this stuff that makes my head hurt, he's great at it, and he's helping lead this. And I've talked with him several times about how, thank you for doing this. It's a beautiful thing to see you using the gifts that God has given you, right, that you've used in the workplace for 40-plus years for God in the church here. And it's a beautiful thing to see that. And he's like, Pastor Kyle, thank you. It brings me great joy that I can use what God has gifted me for to help this church and to help our community, right? That's a beautiful thing to find that in the congregation. I hope that you have that experience. And if not, that you can find that. Like, why has God given you the ability to do and how can we do that to help other people find faith in Jesus? Again, right, some of us, it's holding the door open. For some of us, it's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. Some of us, it's more in front of the, front of the people, right? What is it that God has gifted you to do? What role 
do you play in that? Uh, I got a, uh, sent an email to a lady this week in our church as well, asking her for some help in a similar situation. And this is the response that I got from her. It says, I will help in whatever capacity I am needed. Right? That is like a dream email for a pastor to receive, right? When you ask somebody or something. It's true for you in the workplace or at school or whatever. When you're asking someone for help, I will help in whatever capacity I am needed. That is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, and she's found a way to serve God here in our congregation. Uh, I put her name on there, Karen, uh, because in our culture right now, Karen's like a bad word. You know, Karen represents a jerk, right, out in the world. And, and there are some jerks in the world that, that are jerks. I get that. I understand, right? But, but the, the women who are named Karen, who are nice people, it's got to be hard. My sister-in-law is named Karen, and she's one of the sweetest persons that I know. And it's hard for her to walk around with the name Karen. So I just wanted to lift up a good Karen today in our church who's willing to do whatever it takes for Jesus, right? So not all Karens are bad. So we want to lift that up, okay? So anyway, right, what is God calling us to do uh, in our lives? Let's keep going. Uh, I want to show you uh, some passages now from Peter, uh, one of the 12 disciples, uh, and what he has to teach us. This is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. As you come to Jesus, the living stone, we're going to use this image of a stone uh, in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, getting ready for the coming of Jesus. They, they called Jesus the Messiah, the stone. It's kind of like when you're building a building, right? There's a foundation stone, right? So, so that's what Jesus is referred to. Like Jesus is our foundation, right? Everything that we do is built on Jesus. Jesus is the foundation of the church, the foundation of the kingdom of God, the foundation of our community, right? So that's what the stone image is. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, right? A lot of people rejected Jesus, but chosen by God and precious to God. Jesus is precious to God. You also like living stones, so we follow Jesus. We now are like the stone, right? We are, but we're, we're stones that are alive, right? We are alive with Jesus in us. You are like living stones, and you're being built into a spiritual house. God's building us into a spiritual community. God's building us into the body of Christ. God's building us to be the church, right? It's more than brick and mortar, right? We're alive, right? We're beyond brick and mortar. God's using each of us, kind of building a foundation based upon our gifts and abilities, right, to build up the church in the world. It's a beautiful image, right? We're living stones being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. That means that we're all ministers. All who follow Jesus are ministers. Some are pastors, like Pastor Lindsay and I are. Right? We're set apart right, to help the other ministers right, find their gifts and to live into that, into that. But we're all ministers of God. We're all in this together. Offering our spiritual sacrifices. Right? What are you good at? And how are you using that to advance the kingdom of God? Right? In your home, at work, at school, through the church, right? What is your sacrifice? What is your gift that we can offer to God? Acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion. Right? That's the big mountain that the city of Jerusalem is built on in Israel. A chosen and precious cornerstone. Right? Jesus is the foundation stone. Right? Everything's built on Jesus. Right? And the one who trusts in him, that's us, will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, right? Jesus is precious to us. We believe he is, he's, he's the real deal, right? He, he is who he is. He does what he says he does, right? He came to save us. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Now in English, that's the same word as, as earlier, like foundational. But some translations translate this not as the foundational stone, 
but as the capstone, right? It's the last stone that goes in a building. It's on top. It's the pinnacle, right? It's, it's the crowning achievement. Right? So the scripture is saying that Jesus is the foundational stone, but he's also the capstone, right? Everything's based on Jesus, and he is at the height of that, right? He is, he's the ultimate pinnacle, the apex, if you will. Okay, let's keep going. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall, right? People who don't follow Jesus don't understand kind of fall over Jesus. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for, right? And keep going. But you, right, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, right? Royal priesthood, right? In first century Israel, right, if you were a Jewish person, like the two highest status things that you could achieve would be royalty, like the king, like King David and King Solomon, Right? And the other would be priesthood, right? The people who went between people and God. Not, they didn't believe that everybody could have a direct access to God unless they went through the priesthood, right? So two very important status things in Israel. God's now saying that's all of us, right? We are royal because we are in the lineage of Jesus, right? The king of the universe. When we become believers, we become children of God. So we become part of God's royal family. And we become ministers, right? We can have direct access to God. And we want to help other people understand they can have direct access to God too, right? So our status has been elevated in a major way, right? A royal priesthood, a holy nation, right? Beyond like Israel, beyond like America, right? Just this is much bigger than that. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What darkness has God led you through? What darkness has God brought you through? Right? Because of that, don't you want other people to, to have that experience, right? When they're trapped in their darkness, that there's a way out, that there's a light, right? A light shining that they can go towards. What did God bring you out of? Okay, we keep going. Once you were not a people, right? But now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. We've received forgiveness, right? Our guilt and shame can be taken away and replaced with joy and peace, right? We know what it's like to follow Jesus and, and find that forgiveness, Right? And when we receive that, there's something inherent about, well, how do we help other people receive that? Right? So there's three things here I don't want us to miss. Let's check that out. All right? So the first one is this. Jesus is the foundation right, of all that we do. Right? Everything that we do in this church and any church should be based upon Jesus. And Jesus is also the crowning achievement, right? His death and resurrection, right? we can never achieve that. Right? That's Jesus' only, right? But we can receive Right? Forgiveness and life to the full that Jesus makes possible. But Jesus is our foundation. Jesus is the crowning achievement. Right? It's all about Jesus. Right? Jesus also uses living stones, that's us, to build a spiritual house, the church. I think that's a beautiful image, right? We're, we're living stones, right? We live for Jesus, right? God lives in us. We're more than brick and mortar, right? God is building a community, right? A family that we get to be a part of. Right? So God is, is building a foundation, right? And, and you're the noses and the ears and the legs and all that. And all of us are important. And you all play a role in that, right? You help build the kingdom of God. God is using you to help build the kingdom of God. All right, we keep going. Uh, and we've been elevated to the greatest places in God's kingdom. We are children of God who minister God's grace to people. Right? We're all ministers. We're all in this together. You are needed, right? There's something that God has given you that the church needs to reach people for Jesus, right? We're, we're in this together, right? Just like a chain, its weakest link, right? A chain is only as strong as its weakest link, right? Same thing is true of the church, right? We, we can do great things together and God works through us, but he's also gifted all of us. And if, if we're not using our gifts to advance the kingdom through the church, then we're holding the church back, 
Right? We're, we're holding the community back. We're, we're not helping get the message out to Christ in whatever way that that is. Uh, so it's an awesome responsibility. It's an awesome calling. It's an awesome status. And Jesus is the one that makes it possible. So what's the point? What's the big idea? Right? What, what do we want to walk away with today? This is what I think that God's saying in these scriptures. God builds us up, right? The living stone builds us up so that we can reach out. Right? God builds us up so that we can reach out. What I love about that video that introduces this sermon series that you just saw, right? It's got this brick in it. You remember that brick? So uh, this is a brick from our old campus. Uh, from our, we lived over there for 50 years. Well, it's on this property, uh, and the big building looked like a ski slope. Uh, and so uh, it's just symbolic of our past history. Our look, our DNA as as ministers, like we have a, we have a healthy history. Right? And the people in that video, the first ones are people who are charter members who started the church 55 years ago, right? And so they're kind of passing the brick along. Uh, and then it, it ends up in the hands of our newest members who are worshiping with us today right here, right? And I love it. And, and, and Esperance grabs the brick and then she hands it out to who's watching, right? And so this is kind of symbolic uh, that, that this brick is like the foundation of Jesus, right? We were built on the foundation of Jesus 55 years ago. Right? We're relaunching now. Our foundation is Jesus. Uh, we, but we're, we're more than brick and mortar, right? We're the living stones of Jesus, right? So this just symbolizes, right, how God's using each of us like bricks to build up the community, to build up the kingdom, to build up the church. But we're, we're so much more than a brick, right? We have Jesus inside of us, right? We are living stones, and we're sharing the good news of life to the full with our community. I just think that's a powerful image that, that Peter paints for us and that we're using for this series, right? God uses, God builds us up so that we can reach out, right? So what I invite you to do is think about what this looks like in your life is to be a living stone for Jesus, right? Be a living stone for Jesus. What does that mean? Live for Jesus, right? Whatever God's given you the ability to do, do it for Jesus. If you're a singer, sing for Jesus. If you're an administrator, administrate for Jesus. If you're a teacher, teach for Jesus. If you're good with people, then open doors and, and shake hands for Jesus, right? Whatever it is that God's given you to do, live for Jesus, not just through the building of the church, but wherever you find yourselves. Again, in the world, in the workplace, in the schools, in your neighborhoods, in your families, right? God has given you special gifts, right, to to share the love of Jesus in our lives. So one thing I'd like you to do is to think about an actual tangible thing for next week is this. Bring your commitment card next week. Remember Captain America, the Falcon, handily pulled it out of his shield today and showed us. Uh, you can get one on the way out. We have them on the website. But on the commitment card, you're going to see something that looks like this. It says, let us know how you feel led to use your gifts to serve God at South Park Church in 2022. Okay. If you're serving in a ministry, please keep doing that. Right? Thank you for what you're doing. Right? We have so many faithful servants here doing God's work. Keep doing what you're doing. We, we can't do ministry without you. If you're not currently involved uh, and you're looking for something or if, you, if you're involved and you're looking to add something to your plate, these are a few areas we would ask you to prayerfully consider maybe joining. Okay, And, and you could check one of these off. It says, I will welcome people at worship as part of the hospitality team. Right. We've got, we have greeters who greet people when they come in the building. We have ushers who greet you when you come into the, in the sanctuary. Right. You're just being nice to people, making people feel welcome. Our guests, we're glad you're here. Right? We want to have introduced ourselves, make genuine relationships. 
right? If that's something that God's given you the gift to do, we could use your help, right? These are some areas where we really need to bolster up some of who we are and, and build up those stones, those living stones. Another one is I'll help in children's ministry, birth through grade five, or I'll help with student ministry, grade six through 12, right? So we got these great ministries with our children, right? You can come and teach or you can just come and, and, and hang out with kids, right? It's, it's easy, right? It's hanging out with kids and establishing relationships. We, we'd love to have you be a part of that, right? We're going to background check you though because we want our kids to be safe, okay? But uh, we want to train you in, in being safe with our kids, right? We value them, but, but we want them to have a good experience of people that care about them and want to invest in them. Uh, also, I will help make worship possible as part of the audio-visual lighting team and training is provided. Y'all turn around to the back here. Let's everybody give a shout-out to our team. They are awesome, right? They, they've got these lights. They do these slides. They, they make sure our microphones are working. Right? We couldn't do church without them. Our worship services here in person or watching online, like they do our live stream, all that kind of stuff. And I know that it sounds intimidating to do this, uh, but Nathan, my son, right, Captain America Falcon, who was up here, he's helped out in the back. He's in the fourth grade. Uh, we've also had people in their 80s who've helped out. And so we'll train you. You don't have to know anything at all. We will train you, and it is fun, and you get to have a sense of being a part of something bigger than yourself that's making a difference, helping people worship God. So these are some options. And then there, there's a blank space that says you can write in what you're currently doing, or if there's something that you don't see on here that you want to do for God at this church, write it down. Say, I'm great at this. I would love to find a way that I could use my gift at South Park Church. Write it down. We'll get in touch with you. We'd love to plug you into the ministries here so that we all can find that joy of being a part of something bigger than ourselves and making a difference in the world. Right? We're in the life transformation business. Right? That, there's no greater business to be in. Right? This helping people discover who they are in Jesus Christ. So. One thing that you can do is they can pray about that. Bring that card back next Sunday, email it in, mail it into the church, whatever works best for you. So as we're getting ready for Halloween, I asked my son a few months ago, Nathan, who was up here with me uh, for the announcements this morning, dressed as Captain America and also as the Falcon. I'll explain that in just a minute. So Nathan, what do you want to be for Halloween? Right? What do you think I should dress up like? And he thought about it. He said, well, I want to be the Falcon, who's also Captain America. And Dad, I want you to be the Winter Soldier, who's like his sidekick. I'm like, count me in, right? Because how many more years is my son going to dress up and want me to dress up with him, right? So absolutely count me in. Uh, and I'm glad he chose those two characters. I want to introduce you to those. Like, so I am the Winter Soldier. You can see a picture of him. Uh, yeah, he's, I look just like that, don't I? You know, I do, right? So... Anyway, uh, comic book hero, uh, movie hero, and so here's the deal. In World War II, his name is Bucky Jones. Uh, he fights with Captain America against the Nazis uh, in World War II. And in World War II, he apparently dies. All right, He gets shot off this train. He loses his arm. Uh, and so Captain America mourns his loss. It's a, it's a great big sad kind of thing. Um, but as is pretty standard in comic books and movies, he's not really dead, you know. <laughs> so uh, while everybody thinks he's dead, the bad guys get a hold of him. Uh, they turn him into a super soldier. They give him a bionic titanium arm, you know, just like my puny little arm here. And uh, they make him into a super soldier like Captain America. They erase his memory and they program his brain so that he becomes an assassin. And they use him to kill people. Uh, who were working with the good guys like Captain America and Iron Man and all the Avengers and stuff. And for years, the Winter Soldier becomes an assassin and he kills lots and lots of people. 
Well, we fast forward to the modern day, and Captain America and Iron Man, the other Avengers, figure out what's going on, and they're sent after the Winter Soldier to get him. They don't know that he is Captain America's former best friend. They don't know who this guy is. Um, but in the midst of that, the Winter Soldier's mind, right, he begins to get his memory back. And he begins to feel terrible and guilty at all the people that he's killed. He's even killed Iron Man's parents, right? And Iron Man finds out about this, and and he wants to tear the Winter Soldier apart. And so when they find the Winter Soldier, they, the heroes begin to have like this debate. And that debate is, can the Winter Soldier be redeemed? He was once a good guy. He was brainwashed. He was programmed to kill, and he did that. And he killed lots of people. He even killed one of our own's parents, right? But now he wants to be Bucky again. Is there redemption for him? What price does he have to pay for all those murders that he, he committed, right, as he was programmed, right? Is there hope and redemption for him, right? So he, he really wrestles with this. We see it in the movies, uh, and we see it in a recent uh, television series that Disney made called The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Now, the other guy is the Falcon. We've got a picture of him here. He was also one of Captain America's, like, sidekicks, and he has these big wings, and he looks like a falcon, and he flies around, he does all this stuff. Uh, but now Captain America is gone. I uh, can't get into all that today, but anyway, the falcon becomes the next Captain America. And if you notice, the new falcon is a black man. And in the midst of the television series, like, it explores his struggle with being Captain America in a country, America, that has been so harmful to black people for so many hundreds of years. It's powerful, and it, it's deep. And, and so that's who my son wants to be, is, is this guy. Uh, and so in the midst of that, Captain America, the new Captain America is wrestling with what does it mean to be Captain America and to be a black man in America. Powerful stuff. And on the other side of that uh, is the Winter Soldier trying to find that redemption. And one of the relationships that he enters into is with this, this man uh, who's a nice guy, but the man doesn't know that one of the Winter Soldier's assassination targets was his son. And so the Winter Soldier's really struggling with, do I tell him that I killed his son, that I was programmed to kill his son, that I didn't want to do it? And it's powerful. Long story short, I'll give you spoilers. The Winter Soldier begins to find redemption, and he begins to find forgiveness. He still wrestles with the pain of what he did, and he struggles with that. Um, but it's a beautiful thing, right? And that's from Marvel Comics. It's not a Christian production. Um, but what I find as a Christian pastor is that in the midst of that, I see grace. I see God's grace at work, right? We, we call that prevenient grace, God at work when people don't even know that God's at work. Uh, and it's very redeeming. And it speaks to me. And I'm guessing it speaks to you. I don't think any of us are programmed assassins, right? We've been brainwashed to kill people, but I think that we all have stuff in our past that we wonder, can we be redeemed for? Can we be forgiven for that? We, we all have darkness in our lives that we're ashamed of, and we don't want to know anyone to know about what that is, and we wrestle with the same questions like, is there a chance for me to find forgiveness? Is there a chance for me to find life? Is, is there a chance that God would love me? And the answer is absolutely yes. That's the story of the good news. That's, that's why Jesus said, I, I became a human while staying God and died on a cross and came back to life so that you can be forgiven. So that that guilt and shame that you wrestle with and carry around, all that darkness, I will wipe that away and I will give you life. And you will have a life that is full on this earth and you will have life forever in the kingdom of God. Right? That's why Jesus came. 
right? That's what Peter says, right? What darkness has God brought us out of into the light? He said, before you didn't know what mercy was. Now you have experienced mercy. And because you've experienced mercy, I'm going to build you into a living house that shares that mercy with everyone else in the world who doesn't yet know that, who's like the winter soldier asking that question, is there a chance for me? Can I be redeemed? Brothers and sisters, God builds us up so that we can reach out, be a living stone for Jesus. Let me close by showing this scripture one more time from Peter. But you are a chosen people. No matter what you've done, no matter where you came from, no matter any of the bad stuff in your life, you are chosen by God to be a royal priesthood, to be ministers of the gospel, right? A holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. God called you out of darkness into the light, right? Into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You are the people of God, right? Part of something bigger than yourself and you can contribute to that, right? Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And now that you've received mercy, it's your job to join me in sharing that mercy and that good news with those who don't yet know it. God builds us up so that we can reach out. Be a living stone for Jesus. Be alive for Jesus. Let's pray about that together. Gracious and ever-loving God, thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for calling us out of the darkness, God. Thank you for all that you did through us through the cross. You are our foundation, God, and you are our crowning achievement, right? Not because of what we did, but because of what you did. And as you build up this church, this community, this spiritual house, God, we know that it's more than brick and mortar. We're glad for this building, God, and we're going to use it to serve you, but it, it goes beyond that. We're all like bricks, like spiritual bricks, right? Alive, Lord, and, and, you're, and you're using us. We're like a body, Lord. Some of us are the eyes, some of us are the hands, some of us are the feet, and all of us have special gifts, God. And please help us to figure out what those things are. And if we're struggling with that, right, come talk to to me, talk to Pastor Lindsay. God, help people find us. We'd love to help them. But Lord, most especially, we just want to know that we can be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And so help us to wrestle with that. Help us to seek that in our lives. Help us just to look at what we're good at and figure out how can I do that to advance the kingdom through this congregation. So God, help us to know that you build us up, right, so that we can reach out. Help us to be living stones. Thank you for the mercy that you've given to us. Help us to share that good news with people in our lives who need it. Thank you, God, for calling us to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray.